0: Can't wait for COVID to be over and we can uh, not have to do all the social distancing and and we can get everybody in here so I could hear what the people in the comments sound like too. That would just be wonderful. But as you must have realized uh, by now, as uh, Mr. Johnny Labish said, that uh, Pastor Dave and Cindy are not here. They are visiting Dave's mom and dad and uh, Cindy's mom and he will be back next week. Um, So this morning, one of our favorite guest speakers, uh, Rick Kramer, will be joining, um, will be continuing, let me read this off, it's probably easier, we'll be continuing on with our series. Uh, The series is reset, it's never too late for a fresh start. Rick is a regular guest, Um, if you've been attending here for a while, you've seen him. Um, He was on staff at Davis College, and now is a site pastor for... uh, looks like it's Burzin Bible Church. He will explain it. Rick will explain it on the video. Uh, in the green area, you may have um, read in the Pulse, which is our weekly uh, email news, that Rick had a stroke this summer. Uh, he was on our prayer mail for quite a while there. Uh, he's recovering well, but wasn't quite ready to make the, the two-hour drive to be with us in person this morning. So continue to pray for him. Um, he will give you an update as he starts the message this morning. Remember, today's message is not about just filling up a Sunday so Pastor Dave could be away. Um, It has a lot of thought, a lot of prayer, um, and anticipation behind it. We want to bring the best um, to you guys that we can, uh, someone who wouldn't necessarily be available to come in person. Um, We trust that you won't find watching a message on a screen uh, an obstacle, uh, but in just a few moments as we settle in and engage with a speaker um, that has a life-changing message for all of us. But before we get started, uh, would you just pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that uh, we can gather in this place, even uh, during this whole uh, craziness with COVID. Lord, But we can know that um, we are your child if we've taken that step to acknowledge you as Savior, and that uh, you look out for us. And uh, we just praise your name today. We pray for this message, um, that it would find those areas of our heart that need to be uh, reconciled, perhaps, or encouraged, um, or for the first time, heard. And uh, we just give this to you and pray your Holy Spirit would take control this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, good morning to my Seneca Community Church friends. Um, welcome to our green campus at Breen Bible Church. This is where... Uh, on a Sunday morning, if I would normally preach, uh, this is where I would be at. And um, as you know, uh, I was scheduled to be there uh, at Seneca Community uh, this Sunday. And uh, unfortunately, um, about a month ago, I had a stroke. And so um, it's been uh, it's been an interesting path of recovery. Uh, a month ago, I couldn't walk or talk. Uh, so God has been good, and, and uh, I am I'm slowly getting better. I I really want to extend my, my thanks to you as a, as a church. You really are kind of my second um, church family. Um, I've received uh, phone calls and, and cards and emails and encouragement from you and uh, definitely have felt your prayers and, and thank you so much for your, your support, your concern, uh, your prayers uh, for me through, through this uh, challenging time. I really wish I could be there in person with you uh, this morning. Um, but I appreciate the fact that uh, you're willing to allow me to uh, send you this recorded message and to be able to share with you this way. Uh, Pastor Dave uh, told me that you guys are going through a sermon series called Reset. And he asked me to specifically talk to you about service, about about serving, about being servant-hearted. And, and so this morning I would ask you to join me in James chapter 2. Um, Again, because of my uh, my restrictions, my vision's not great, um, so I won't be reading uh, passages from uh, scripture other than what's on the screen. Um, I don't I don't have any notes to read. Uh, that might be good. That might be bad. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Um, but uh, again, I, I appreciate your prayers and and can, would uh, would appreciate your continued prayers that my eyesight and my balance uh, continues to get better. Uh, James chapter 2, uh, faith without works, and, and James is dealing with uh, really three different factions, three different groups of people in the first century, and, and it's fascinating to look at and to say, you know what, 2,000 years later, uh, we have these same groups, these same different opinions. There was one group that said, listen, works equal salvation. Um, we need to do as many good works as we possibly can, and that somehow earns us favor with God. And that, and that really was based on a, a misunderstanding of the Old Testament. But then there were others that come along and said, okay, what, what the Apostle Paul and others have written to us about faith, that really is a combination of faith and works, that, that we need to be able to both have faith in what Jesus did for us, but also do good works. And as a result of those two things, we earn salvation. We earn our, our place in heaven. And then the last group was this one that, 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 based on the teachings of Paul, said, no, salvation is faith alone. It's, it's putting our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did. And it's his, his sacrificial uh, death on the cross his, his burial, His resurrection. It is those things and those things alone that, that give us uh, a standing in God's favor so that we can have salvation, we can have eternal life. And, and really the controversy that comes with this is because of the wording that James uses here in chapter 2 <clears throat> versus what Paul uses in Romans chapter 3. In Romans 3.28, Paul said, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. He, he literally, just a few verses earlier, talks about that we are all sinful. We are all guilty of sin. We all uh, need the punishment of death because of our sin. But it's because of what Jesus Christ did for us that we can have eternal life. But yet, James says this. He says, You see then... He he concludes his argument. You see then that, that a man is justified by works <clears throat> and not by faith alone. And that sounds like it's contradictory of what uh, Paul has taught. And and so this controversy really as as James is talking through this, he comes to this conclusion in verse 18. In verse in, in the earlier verses, he talks about that, you know, what is faith. If you don't have any works. And in verse 18, he makes this statement. He says, Show me your good works, and I will show you my faith by my good works. Show me. Now, I don't know when you when you hear that, if you have the same impression I have, but the first thing I think of is the state of Missouri, right? People people talk about the the show-me state. And there's there's some Interesting uh, discussion of where that came from. Perhaps an early congressman who made a speech. As far as uh, you know, and he said in that speech, "Like I'm from Missouri, and I want you to show me." Uh, probably another thing that another way of putting it in in a, like a, a modern day vernacular would be this. Um, I you know imagine if I was a rapper and I had you know my backwards hat on and big gold chain and and I basically came out and said something like this to you. Like, you want to own me? Show me, homie. Okay, so listen, I don't, I'm not going to make a living as a rapper. Right? I understand that. Um, but there is this um, evidence-based. In other words, what James is saying is, if you have faith, your works are going to prove it. Show me. Show me your faith. Demonstrate it by your good works. So, Here's how this breaks down. Here's how this controversy breaks down. You see, there are many who believe that it is this order we need to do, and based on what we do, we become, and based on what we become, we become then we can know God. Now, and, and think about this. I mean, and think about the context of your religious experience and, and what others have taught you. Um, in the past, maybe you grew up in a church that, that although they may not have said it specifically this way, they've, they've, they've communicated that you have to do a bunch of good works. <clears throat> and if you do those good works, then then you will become a better person. And as you become a better person, you earn favor with God. But James is saying that, listen, it's just the opposite. It's the fact that you need to know God. You need to have a relationship with God. And through that relationship with God, God is going to change you. You are going to become more like Jesus Christ. And as you become more like Jesus Christ, the results will be that you do good works. You see, the contrast is very clear. The first one is religion. And Really, when you think about it, every religion. You, you could go through the list of every religion that we know today. And that it is all based on this sequence of you need to do good things. As you do good things, you become a good person. And then therefore, because you are a good person, you earn favor with God. You get to know God. But the true scriptural, biblical way is, is this. It's based on our relationship. It's a relationship with God, and knowing him, and having the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, changes us, helps us to become more like Jesus. And as a result, because of that relationship with God, because of that spiritual change that's taking place within us, we then do good works. That's the result. Let me illustrate it to you this way. I'm going to go a little old school on you this morning. The, the, the greatest baseball player that I've ever known is, is Michael Jordan. Right? You, you knew that, right? Michael Jordan was like a great Chicago White Sox, right? Now, listen, all right, I, I know Michael Jordan better than that, right? This, this is Michael Jordan that, that most of us know. Like, I, I, I had a poster of this at one point. Now, listen, I know Michael Jordan. See the, 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 the slide I, I flashed through real quick there talked about the two different Greek words? There's, there's this idea of knowing, like factually knowing, versus having a relationship in knowing. Now, I know Michael Jordan. I, I know he was 6'6". I know that he was drafted number three in the NBA draft he, out of North Carolina. I know that he has six NBA championships. He never lost an NBA championship final. I, I, I know Michael Jordan, okay? But if Michael Jordan walked in this morning, Michael Jordan would not go like, yo, quick, Rick, like you're that Christian rapper guy I know, right? Like, no, I, I don't know Michael Jordan relationship-wise. Right? I just know a bunch of facts about Michael Jordan. And do you see where this is going? Because unfortunately, a lot of people base their good works and base their religious experience on knowing a lot of facts about God rather than actually having a relationship and knowing God. You see, if we are going to serve one another, if we're really going to to have a servant-minded attitude, we've got to understand this principle of why. Why do we do good works? You see, the argument that, that James makes is summarized this way. Works without faith is just religion. If you just do a bunch of works, but you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you're just practicing a religion. But faith without works is just dead. You if you say that you believe, there needs to be some evidence of, why, of, of, of that belief. It needs, there, there needs to be some demonstration, some good works to show that, yes, your life has been changed. You have a relationship with God. And so the, the true faith produces works as a result of that relationship with God. And so as we go back to this idea of know, be, do, it's knowing God that results in becoming more like his son, which then results in doing his work. Now, have you ever had anybody tell you a, a, like a really long story and when they got done at the end of the story, you realize they really weren't done? And they may not have said it exactly this way, but basically what they implied is, I've told you all of that to tell you this: Well, this morning, I've told you all of that to tell you this. Now, don't worry, if you got something on the crockpot at home, you're still going to be able to get it on home, home on time. I know this sounds like maybe the longest sermon introduction you've ever heard. But I want you to join me in Ephesians chapter four. In Ephesians chapter four, we get the result of this. You see, all of that is just foundational. All of that is just understanding the fact, the reason why we should do good works and how the good works result. But if we're going to talk about resetting the church, if we're going to talk about restarting, energizing for a new season in the, in the life of the church, and if we're going to talk about serving one another, we need to understand the context of that within the body of Christ, within the church as a whole, and, it, and within the local church. And so Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to jump around a few verses. Verse 7 says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Now let me just pause there for a second. I want to tell you that, um, you know, one of the things, you know, I enjoy uh, in, in the academic circles, I enjoy people calling me Dr. Kramer. Uh, but outside of that, you know, what I really enjoy, what I really like better than that is when people call me Pastor Rick. Because that really is who I am. That's what I do. It's, it's not a title. It, it's, it's what I do. Now, there's another term that people use. And in fact, I just recently did a wedding out in Buffalo. And, you know, in a formal situation like that, they refer to it as a reverend, right? You, reverend Kramer. And all right, you know, I mean, under certain circumstances, I get it. I don't really like that. I'll tell you the one name that I really dislike. And, and I feel like I, the, the, the place that I hear this the most is when I visit people in the hospital. Because the nurse will say, your minister is here. And here's the reason why I really don't like that. Because I I feel like that feeds into a myth that we have in the church. There's a myth that that paid person, that person who you call reverend, is the minister. But I want to tell you that that is not biblical. Now, Pastor Dave did not ask me to make this statement. In fact, Pastor Dave maybe will feel uncomfortable when he watches this. But I have the opportunity as your friend and as a a third party to, to, to come in and to speak to you plainly and to say to you, listen, Pastor Dave is not the minister. You are. You are the ministers. See, Pastor Dave's job is to teach His job is to coach. His job is to equip. But he's not the minister. You are. You see, if we are going to have a clear understanding of what it means to biblically serve properly, the fact is that it's you, it's each one of us that has a responsibility to serve, to minister. It's not just that paid professional. All right, so I'll get off my hobby horse. Let's look at a couple more verses here. In verse 15, it says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's the the challenge with this. We need to think about this communally. I, I think our American culture, our mentality is individuality. And so when we talk about spiritual growth, we almost always are talking about how do I grow as an individual? But really what the Apostle Paul here is saying is that spiritual growth is not just an individual thing. It's a community thing. It's a communal thing that we come together and we grow together as a body, as a community of believers. You see, to serve is just a natural part of that each one of us doing our role in helping the body as a whole to grow let, let's just go back and revisit these verses and focus on a couple of very specific phrases. It says here, but grace was given to, and I want you to read these yellow words with me, each one of us. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And as we look through other uh, portions of the New Testament, there are several places where the Apostle Paul talks about grace being given to each of us. In almost every case, he's not talking about salvation grace. He's not talking about the grace that has allowed us to have a relationship with God. He's talking about spiritual gifts that are imparted to us. You see, each one of us, if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, at the moment that we believe We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And Scripture tells us that each one of us is given a spiritual gift. Not just a natural ability. A lot of people that have God-given natural abilities, people that that don't know God, people that don't have a relationship with Him, but God has gifted them as an image bearer, They, they, they are given some special natural abilities. But beyond those natural abilities, if you are a Jesus follower, the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift. Now, the natural reaction for some people to that is, well, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? Well, let me just give you three very quick ways to to start to come to an understanding of that. The first one is this. There are assessment tools out there that, that ask you questions that will help you to understand your natural way of thinking, your spiritual uh, giftedness, and how that fits into the body of Christ. And it, and it compares it to the biblical spiritual gifts, the gifts of helps, the gifts of teaching, the gifts of administration. There, there are at least 10 permanent gifts that we see uh, repeated over and over again in the New Testament. And so it helps you to, to see what your personality and skill sets are like. But, but beyond that, I would say, here's the second thing. Talk to those around you the 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 people that you are, are are serving with the people the community that you are are growing together in they they 've observed you they 've seen you and they they probably have a pretty good idea of what your spiritual giftedness is have those kind of conversations but I would say the third thing and this may sound very obvious but it is so often overlooked try something do just just try try a ministry within the church for a couple of weeks to see how it goes now ministry leaders be prepared you know hopefully there are going to be some people that are going to respond to this message this morning and they're going to come to you and say hey i want to try out this i want to try out kids ministry i want to try out uh you know working in the 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 yard i, I want to try out try out cleaning and taking out the trash whatever it is you see there's all these roles within the community within the body of Christ within the local church that that people have been gifted for but unfortunately they're just sitting on their gift they're not using their gift the way God designed it and so if we've all, each one of us have been giving a gift, the fact is that the, those gifts work together to build up the body of Christ. And then here's the, here's the result of that. Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Again, community-wise, not just individually growing up into Christ but community from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when okay read the yellow words with me each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love I'm sure you've all heard the phrase the weakest link in fact I think they're reviving the TV show But listen, the response to the weakest link in the church is not goodbye. The response to the the weakest link in the church is let's come alongside you. Let's help you to grow. And one of those ways that you are going to grow is to serve, to be involved, to do something in the church to contribute to the body of Christ. And part of that process is understanding where you fit the best. Now listen, if I were there full time, if I was part of the, the community there at Seneca Community Church, and and I was serving, you know, like one of the areas that you probably would not want me serving in is children's ministry. It's just not my jam. Okay, I I you know I could do it, I could fake it, I could go along, but but it, it's just not where I'm gifted. Now, on the flip side, there's a handful of you that, you know, if we were to ask you to get up on Sunday morning and preach a message because that Pastor Dave is away, that, that would be a horrible idea. Okay? Right? Because you may not be gifted that way. Now, the flip side to that is, I think there probably are a handful of you that are gifted in teaching, and and you should be willing to to take some responsibility of, of leading some small groups of, of teaching in different formats, in different settings. And, and you know because that you have the gift of teaching doesn't mean you necessarily have to get up in front on Sunday morning, but, but you need to be using that gift if that's how the Holy Spirit has gifted you. But you see, we need everybody across the entire spectrum. The whole body needs to serve. And so this morning, I want to leave you with these three things that we can get from this Ephesians 4 passage. And it's simply this the first one is we are all gifted to serve. We're all gifted in different ways so that we come together and as a body of believers grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We're all gifted. You have a gift. The question is, are you being a good steward of that gift? You know, sometimes we use that word stewardship to talk about money. But the fact is, you have time and you have talent. And God has gifted you in a specific way. And the church needs you. They need you. They need you to exercise that spiritual gift. You see, we've all been gifted to serve. But another thing that we see in this passage is this that we are all equipped to serve. And I know that that Pastor Dave is is preaching sound doctrine. He's preaching very applicable things. He's teaching. He's equipping. He's helping you grow. I, I, I know that. I've seen it. I've seen his messages. I've talked to him. I, I've talked to many of you and, and 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 the things that you're learning from him. You are equipped. Now, you'll continue to be equipped more and more. We, none of us have arrived, but listen, you don't have an excuse. You, you can't say, I, I'm not ready to serve because I just don't know enough yet. That's just not true. In fact, frankly, there are, there are roles and there are functions, there are volunteers that we have at our church Frankly, in my opinion, people don't even need to be a believer yet. Listen, you don't have to be a Jesus follower to be able to greet people in a parking lot in a friendly way and to help people park. But if that's going to help that person to feel part of our community, like they belong here, like they're a Berean, amen, put them to work, let them get involved. So listen, it doesn't matter where you are, In your individual spiritual growth, we need you to serve because you have been equipped. And the last one is this there is no option. As as you look at all of these verses, as you look at other passages, we are not given a spiritual gift just because God is gracious and generous. He is that. But, but he has given us a spiritual gift for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve one another, to build up the body of Christ. It is an expectation for each and every one of us. And so, as Seneca Community Church goes through this period of reset, as you go through this period of re energizing and, and reigniting, I want to encourage you, it's all hands on deck. You know, there's an old adage that said something like this, that 80% of the church, or I'm sorry, 20% of the church does 80% of the work. Maybe you've heard that before. Now, I know that's, that's not true there in Romulus. I, I know that's not what happens at Seneca Community Church right now. But even if it was flipped, even if 80% of the people are doing the work. That's not biblical. That's not good enough. Because the scriptural mandate, the expectation is not 80%. It's not 90%. It's 100%. And so my question to you this morning is simply this. How are you serving the body of Christ? What is your role? And if you don't have an answer for that, I want to encourage you this morning to talk to one of the leaders. Talk to Pastor Dave when he returns. And have a candid conversation about how you're gifted and where that fits in and what you could be doing to contribute to the growth of the body of Christ. Now this morning, if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you're, if you're just kind of going through that religious exercise of trying to do good works and, and, and trying to earn your way into heaven, I want to encourage you this morning, don't, don't start serving if that's your motivation. The first thing that we've got to address is your relationship with God. Because as you establish that relationship with God, you will then be gifted, you'll be empowered, you'll have the ability to serve in the way that you're designed. And So if that describes you this morning, again, I would encourage you to find a leader there and talk to them and give them the opportunity to show you from God's word what it means to really be a Jesus follower, to have faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross in dying for our sins. But the bottom line is, Serve. We are all called to serve. What's your role? Would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious God, we we are just so overwhelmed by the fact that you, as the creator of the universe, want to have a relationship with us. And, And God, I pray that each person that is hearing my voice this morning has made that decision to follow Jesus, to to have that relationship with with you. You have provided a means through your Son Jesus Christ that we might have a relationship with you, the God, the Creator, the heaven of, of heaven and earth. God, we just we can't comprehend that. We want to worship you and honor you and praise you and thank you for that truth. But as we see this passage in this this challenge to serve. God, it's my prayer this morning that that each person there at Seneca community steps up and is willing to take their role, to, to play their part, to be ministers of the gospel, that they might build one another up, that they might grow together spiritually, and that together they will have an impact on their communities around them, bringing more and more people and pointing them to Jesus. God is my prayer that as they reset that this reset is, is a time of renewal of recommitment of, of energizing and that everyone gets on board and does a part For your honor and your glory I pray all these things in Jesus precious name
0: Amen